0: Uh, Let's begin this morning with a prayer, okay? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You know, sometimes I wonder if we forget that the sign of the cross is actually a prayer. I know that's kind of unfair, like you just get in prayer mode, and then I start talking. The sign of the cross is actually a prayer. It's a profound prayer. And we do it all the time. We're in the middle of hiring right now for our student leaders for next year for ministry. And so this whole last week, we had interviews. Uh, This whole next week, upcoming, we'll have interviews. And typically what we do is invite the interviewee at the end of the interview to close us in a glory be. So what happens is they do this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of Trinity. (laughs) Do we realize what we do when we make the sign of the cross? We make it over all kinds of things, over our food, uh, before tests, before sporting events. i played soccer, and so a lot of times people would swipe the the pitch on the way in and make the sign of the cross. We make it, in fact, actually, you've done it four, maybe five times already in Mass. As we began, and then the Gospel over our mind, lips, and heart. And then as we began the prayer. So we make it all the time. And there's a phrase, which I know you know, familiarity breeds contempt. It shouldn't, but it does, because we're fallen. And so I I want to call us back to the fundamental, uh, which we learned today. First of all, there's, there's many different kinds of signs of the cross. There's the casual, Father, Son of Holy Spirit. Uh, that one also looks a lot like, it's, it's not, but it looks like the, I forgot the words, sign of the cross. Uh, there's the, I don't want anybody to see, sign of the cross. There's the, I really don't want anybody to see, I'm making it in my heart right now. (laughs) There's the, I want everyone to see, sign of the cross. (laughs) There's the Byzantine sign of the cross, which is really cool. You take your first three fingers and you put them together. And that's the symbol of the Trinity, the triune God. And then your other two fingers symbolize the two natures of Christ. And you make the sign of the cross. In fact, actually, what we would call backwards, from right to left. Uh, there's the confused sign of the cross, and this is, this is the one that uh, my sister, I believe it was Ruth, did when she was being bathed by my mom. She took a, a pitcher of water and she poured it on my mom's shoulder, and she says, I poured it on your holy, <laughs> and I poured it on your spirit, <laughs> which is cute. It's like that's the name of our shoulders, you know, like to the gun show, the Holy Spirit gun show. There's the, um, yeah, there's a number of different signs of the cross. There's, um, uh, this is is one of my favorite ones, the thumb kisser. You ever seen Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I actually learned something recently that was really cool. Um, That has a very particular purpose. I asked at the 4 p.m. mass on Saturday if anybody knew where that came from. And a number of people afterwards told me, That actually, what you're doing, it stems from the martyrs. And when they didn't have a crucifix to kiss, as they're on their way to meet the Savior, they make a crucifix with their fingers, thumb-crossing index finger, and they kiss the feet of the Savior. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. We make it all the time. Do we know what we're doing? Do we realize how profound of a prayer that is. Just think about what, what you're doing. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Who are those people? That's the triune God. That's the one who said to Moses, I am who am who's existed before the Big Bang ever happened, before anything existed, God did. That's the one who is the beauty ever ancient, ever new. He's the oldest and youngest thing that's ever existed and the most beautiful thing on the planet. And he's not even on the planet. He created the planet. This is the God of love who created us out of sheer love and we call on his name every time we make the sign of the cross. And we don't just say the name. We make a very particular symbol. We are marking ourselves with that that's just behind me. We're calling on the name of the triune God and reminding ourselves of the salvation won for us in the most pinnacle act of love ever done on earth in the act of our salvation. By Christ on the cross. We make the sign of the cross all the time. I hope we remember how profound that is when we do it. One of the very first times this probably ever happened to you was at your baptism when the sign of the cross was made a number of times. In fact, it's made on your forehead, on your chest, uh, there's the rite, which is you bless the mouth with the sign of the cross and the ears. and You say, be opened. And actually, because of that, miracles have taken place. Uh, there's been children who couldn't hear, and then after that rite, all of a sudden they could hear for the very first time. I've actually seen that happen. Even just the pouring of the water, which is the most fundamental act we can do as Christians, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's so profound, and so at the core of who we are. When you make the sign of the cross, you are claiming, this is how we bless people too, you are claiming whatever is made, the sign of the cross is made over over your food, you're claiming that for God. Over ourselves in baptism, God is claiming that for himself. It belongs to him. Over you with a blessing, I'm claiming you for God. Over your children before they go to bed, you are claiming them for God. And here's here's the cool part, as if that wasn't cool enough. You're not just claiming for, you're actually changing into, especially in baptism. God doesn't just claim us, says now you belong to me, he actually affects a change in us that turns us into himself in the way that a human can be. This isn't just me. This is Irenaeus and Athanasius and Thomas Aquinas. God became man so that man might become God. That's incredible. That we might share in the life of God and not just belong to him, Not just having at one point been cast out because of our sin and having no access to God and now having access to him as father, but now sharing in his divine life. That's what our baptism is all about, which is a good topic for us to talk about today because the scriptures are full of it. We see the flood of Noah. And we wouldn't know that was about baptism, except for smart people told us it was about baptism. First one being St. Peter himself in the second reading. We hear St. Peter interpreting for us the story of Noah. He says, remember when that water came and killed all the dead stuff and all the bad stuff and and, uh, saved all the good stuff? That That was a prefigurement of our baptism. Which is exactly what it does in us. It kills all the stuff that does not belong to God. And it saves and elevates, like the boat, all those things that are now elevated in him. It changes us. And St. Peter says something else really important for us to hold on to. He says, it's not about the cleansing of dirt. Baptism, we don't, we're not concerned with cleansing of dirt. We're concerned with the appeal to God for a clean conscience. St. Peter says, it's, it's not about the externals. We're about the internals. That's what it means. That's what baptism means. Is about the change interior. So how do you, how do you cleanse the interior? Well, Jesus says this too. Um, he acknowledges, he says to the Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup when inside you're like a cave full of dead man's bones. A whitewashed tomb. So at the end of Lent, if you're thinner, great, good for you. But that actually doesn't matter in the end. What matters is that we are internally changed. So how do you become internally changed? Well, we heard this almost in the very first liturgical words in this season of Lent from the prophet Joel. He says, rend your hearts, not your garments. To rend is like a violent tear. To violently tear. They used to just tear their garments. And Joel says, rend your hearts, not your garments, so that the good stuff can come in and the bad stuff can come out. That's exactly what the season of Lent is about. It's about rending our hearts open to God so that he can fill us with his life once again. And we can get rid of all the stuff that doesn't belong there. This is what Jesus did, in fact, the leader and perfecter of our faith, the pioneer of our faith and our supreme model. Once he was baptized, the Holy Spirit, it's an interesting word, essentially it means kicked him into the desert, propelled him into the desert to then go be tempted for the sole purpose of being tempted by Satan. This is actually the start of monasticism. For us, Because in the, the early church, Christianity was illegal. Then when it became legal and everybody could be baptized, some folks were like, well, how do I, that's too soft for me. How do, I, how do I do more? And so they would go out into the desert. In fact, sometimes to the very same mount where Jesus was tempted. And they would live the rest of their lives, living not a red martyrdom, shedding their blood, but a white martyrdom, dying every day to themselves. So this is, this is the story of early Christians. It's the story of how we get our vocation here in the monastery. It's our monast- the story of our, the foundation of our monastic life. Actually, if you go to the Holy Land today, you'll see the Mount of the Temptation. And in it, there's like holes kind of dotted along the Mount. And people still live in those holes, still living their monastic vocations on the very mountain where God was tempted. And I look at that, I'm like, man, I'm so soft. <laughs> I better shape up. Right? And that's what Lent's about, right? Shape up. Quit being so soft. It's about a phrase a friend of mine used the other day. I like it a lot. It's about muscular Christianity, right? It's about let's just go out and do, do more and try harder. The, the desert is not about muscular Christianity. Lent is not about, let's just pick us up by our own bootstraps. That's kind of a funny image, isn't it? Lent is not about trying harder. It's about allowing the Lord to come in more deeply. It's about being more intentional with the sign of the cross. If you make the sign of the cross as a great prayer, that's better than a rosary said with distraction. Just moving the beads. You see, it's not about doing more or doing yeah, lifting greater spiritual weight. We're not muscular Christians. (laughs) We're intentional Christians that allow the Lord to come in and cleanse the interior heart. Now, this is hard. Let me give you one final image. This comes from St. Augustine. So he says in the City of God, in the first part, uh, book one, he gives an image of of kind of two bowls. And over here, actually, what he says is uh, a cesspit, which is kind of a disgusting image. So we'll call it a bowl of manure. That's like a more pleasant liturgical image. So bowl of manure and bowl of perfume. So you have two bowls over here. And what St. Augustine says is, take a spoon and stir those things. It's the same action. says that's suffering. People undergo the same suffering but you get a very different response from the different bowls, right? Don't stir this one too much. (laughs) Keep away from the manure. But if you stir the perfume, you get to experience the nature of what that perfume really is. Unless it's stirred, you don't get to smell its fragrance. And unless it's stirred, you don't really know how pungent this can be. So Lent is about getting stirred up, allowing the Lord to stir us. And if we find that we don't like the smell, that we complain about how hard Lent is, uh, that we drag others down. Now, just remember, you brought that on yourself. You chose your own penances. I'll acknowledge here, by the way, I usually do three things I've failed in all three of those things so far on different occasions. That's okay. As long as you're not choosing to fail, I fail out of weakness. So I'm in the same boat with you. But you're getting stirred up. And if you don't like the smell, there's really good news. Because the Lord can literally change us into this sweet-smelling perfume. This is really interesting. That's an actual spiritual gift. Did you know that? The gift of perfume. Padre Pio had it. They said when he would walk into a room, it would be fragrant with incredible roses such that no human nostril has ever smelled before. That's kind of cool. He'd never have to shower again. (laughs) Please shower. But he can turn us into that. If you don't like the smell, ask the Lord to come in more and more and more and more. And then you might begin to like the smell. The suffering might actually turn into something sweet. It might actually change us into that thing we long to be. Saints, now in this world and forever in heaven with God. Let's be saints this Lent. Let's let him stir us up. And let's let him come in, especially now in this Eucharist, to fill our hearts with his very life.